Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is sponsored by Brazen Color Country. They sell livestock handling equipment and they're located in Kanab, Utah. You can check them out on Facebook or you can also go to the Brazen website, which is brazen, B-R-A-Z-Z-E-N.com to see what they have to offer. Our other sponsor for this episode is Escalani Yurts. If you were ever in the southern Utah area and you're looking for a great place to stay, I would highly recommend checking them out. You can look them up on Facebook, Instagram, or their website is escalaniyurts.com. If you or somebody that you know is interested in sponsoring this podcast, please feel free to send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. I really appreciate all of the sponsors that I've had so far. It really helps keep this podcast going and um, helps us to be able to reach out to more people. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate Brazen Color Country and Escalani Yurts for sponsoring this podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different from the rest. Today I sat down and I visited with a vet. I thought that he would have some useful information that some of the listeners out there would like to hear. Um, So I decided to call up Richard Bagley on the phone. He's a Southern Utah guy. He grew up in Richfield, graduated from Richfield, and then after that he attended CSV, which is now um, known as Southern Utah University, and then he went on to Utah State and then to Colorado State to finish his veterinary school. I hope that you guys will take a minute to listen to his story and to listen to some of the advice and some of the experiences that he's had being a vet. He is now retired and he did this for a long time and so he knows what he's talking about and I hope that you are able to get something out of it like I was able to. that was available here in Cedar City when I came here in 1975. There was one veterinarian here for Iron County and one veterinarian for Washington County. And uh, now I think there's eight veterinarians in Iron County. Golly, there must be 20 in, in Washington County. And uh, so this is where I started my professional career, and I was in practice for 43 years. But it used to be that everybody was backgrounding and feeding their cattle, and then they would sell them in the spring uh, to go on grass or something like that. So March, April is when most of them would move out. It just winter, but I think commodities got so high that we started looking, most uh, the ranchers started looking at other options, like can't afford the hay to feed through. Some of them were not producers. They were just, uh, would have buy hay to get them through the winter and then go on the mountain in the summer for grass. 
they own uh, most of these entities also have some winter feed, which is a desert out west of here, at least for people that are in this area. Oh, yeah. Things have changed. Things have changed, and I think commodity prices, hay prices, have uh, dictated to us how we make our changes. Do you think things have changed for the better or the worst? Well, historically, we've never had a good shot at the livestock business. We always, I remember as a kid growing up in Sevier County, we were selling fat calves for 13 cents a pound and had them on feed all winter. And we got involved with a tallow feedlot and we had our own feed mill to process our own grain and we raised our own silage and we raised our own barley and, and uh, gee, 23 cent calves, unbelievable. We've had a couple of good years of recent, but then it's fallen off. Of course, you get used to good prices, then anything less than that is it's pretty hard to swallow. But uh, I think that, uh, unfortunately, when we're in the cow business or the livestock business, when commodities go up, then everything else goes up. So we get a good price for our calves, but there's $4 fuel. There's corn and barley that's up. There's 200 ton hay. So it seems like it all moves in relationship with each other. And I don't know. Uh, lambs are good this year. Probably as high as I've ever appreciated the lamb market. And we used to, and still do have a lot of sheep outfits. Uh, a lot of producers in the area here. There's There's a lot of use in the valley. So you've got uh, that part of the livestock business as well. People are, most of their commodities, as far as the hay producers, go out of the area. They go to California, dairies down there, Chino market. Hmm. So it's, uh, I think those that change and accommodate will adjust pretty good. And uh, I happened to get into the business here in the 70s when, it was kind of a transition period between the older gentlemen, the older families, the sons or the daughters. And uh, as I've seen this over the last 45 years, it seems like these ranches will last two generations, but not three. Really? So you got grandpa and you got the dad, but when it comes to the son, they just soon sell. The market value of property has gotten so high, and the expansion of people and populations directed some of these things. That farming is such a tough business, ranching is a tough business. That these family farms, family ranches, and it's it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. But I've noticed that, and a lot of my work was in eastern Nevada. In that country, I've been clear out in the Heiko and Alamo, across the top, into Caliente, and Spring Valley, Eagle Valley, up north into Majors Junction, Shoshone, that country, and, and uh, the price of water and 
properties getting so high, I just can't justify the ranching business. And uh, that's too bad. Well, it really is. It really is. And you know, we're sticking to this thing. Well, it's tradition. It's our lifestyle. But man, it's hard to live on those values and as tough as things are getting. And but uh, sure enjoyed it. And a lot of good people. Met an awful lot of good ranchers. And I learned from ranchers. I learned from those cattlemen. I learned from the sheep outfits. How an animal thinks what they've got in their mind versus what you've got in your mind and how you deal with them. And uh, I was in school with classmates that came from Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, how they dealt with the cattle and rest rotation issues, feed, nutrition, processing. I mean, you go to these brandings where they're processing their calves in the spring of the year for three and four days. Most of the outfits that I worked for, I think Florida's one was that I that I had pretty much full time was around 500 cows, and a lot of 400, three, 400 cow outfits. And you process those calves in a day. Yeah. And, uh, so it's it, it's different, and uh, there there's some some ranchers out there that were very savvy to how they run their business and how they dealt with their animals and keep them quiet and the calling process. But it's, uh, it was great. It was a great education for me. And I tried to import that into my business when, when I worked. So if we were to back up just a little bit for a minute, when you were a kid, did you always want to be involved in some kind of ag program? Did you always know that you wanted yes, to be I involved did. in it that I, way? I don't know that my interest ever wavered much from that. Uh, my grandfather was a veterinarian. He was an old-time veterinarian. I think he went to college in San Francisco in 1916. So Grandpa Thorpe was a veterinarian. Different cool. style, different way of doing things, certainly no diagnostics, no x-ray machines, no ultrasounds. And, uh, you know, did the best he can. Medications were essentially non-existent. Coal oil, turpentines, mineral oils, things you can't even buy now. Yes, I guess I was always probably in an area where veterinarian was, was the thing I do. I don't know. Smart enough to get into vet school, you're probably too smart to be a veterinarian, but I didn't know where anything else to do. <laughs> I could have gone home. We still, we had a big enough business. I could have worked into the family ranch and farm up there. But uh, wow. so it, it's been a good profession, and uh, I hope I've helped some people along the way, uh, give them ideas, help them with their problems, and give them some encouragement. and. Tried to impart some educational issues with them on handling cattle, nutrition, vaccination programs, herd health, and some things that are easy to do and has a lot of benefit to a livestock producer. 
if you were to give any of those producers advice on on healthcare practices for their livestock, what, what what advice would you have for them? Well, it's kind of like human health. Nutrition is a big thing, and nutrition in a cow outfit, a cow-calf outfit has a lot of merit. Vaccination programs, I'm a real believer. And I guess so much so that I've vaccinated so many hundreds of thousands of cattle. I think there's a couple things that, that all intertwine here in herd health and certainly nutrition, mineral vitamins. And for years and years, minerals and vitamins were never pushed as far as husbandry in the livestock business. But as we got more education, as we found out what the interface and inner plane of minerals and vitamins and herd health and immunology and disease types of things. It's I've really promoted that the last several years. Nutrition, you know, the cow is pretty dynamic and if you look at her as a unit, we have her as a production unit and her goal is to raise us a calf that we can sell and bring our income back. And oftentimes these cows don't actually pay for themselves until they're about the fifth year. Fifth year production and then they start paying their way and from that point until they're eight or ten or wherever their uh, ending production unit years are, then that's uh, a moneymaker for us. And so the cow has to eat, she has to have good nutrition to be able to breed. And then she has to have good nutrition and the right types of energy and minerals, vitamins to carry the calf and then the calf and then to breed back. And then she's breeding back and carrying another calf while she's nursing the one that we just got on the ground. And so it's pretty dynamic. And uh, I, I stress that pregnancy checking pregnancy diagnosis. I mean, if that, if that production unit does not have a calf every year for us, starting as a three-year-old or two-year-old, uh, she just doesn't doesn't uh, pay her way. And I don't know what, this, what the economics is now. It used to be a dollar. It's probably almost $2 per head per day. It costs us to run that cow if she is not carrying a calf. Mm-hmm. And so that's money. And if you don't know that she's not pregnant and you feed her four or five ton a year feed, and no return on your investment. So preg checking, I was pretty high on, did a lot of it, traveled gee, hundreds of miles to preg check cows, enjoyed it, followed the year. Ranches, eastern Nevada and northern Arizona, clear over your country on Escalante. It was it was a good it was a good thing, and uh, all you can also diagnose diagnose disease situation when we started dealing with this trichomoniasis, which is a venereal disease carried by the bull that essentially is passed to the cow during the breeding process. 
and that protozoa trichomoniasis then makes the uterus hostile to implantation of the egg, and the cows end up open. And they, uh, you run enough cows to shoot, they're open, and you start wondering what's the matter with this program, and we better check the bulls for fertility and also for trichomoniasis infection. Oftentimes, that's where we find our problems. Well, the guys lost the whole year's calf crop. Trick is an infection that's passed by the bull to the cow, makes the uterus hostile to implantation of the egg when the sperm and the egg meet. And the cow, that infection in the uterus then is an inflammatory process. The cow just does not settle. Well, then after that bull breeds, here comes another bull. And he breeds the cow. He picks up the infection and goes on to the next cow. And when those figures get up into 30% open cows, better start looking around. And so that's why the state has mandated the, the trick testing program that all bulls used for reproduction over 11 months of age will be tested negative for be tested and be determined to be negative for trichomoniasis cow. And uh, vaccinations are another issue. I think that there's vaccinations, particularly for BRD, which is a bovine respiratory disease. We used to have names for all this stuff. It was red nose and red water and IBR and PI3 and BVD. Now we just group it as BRD, bovine respiratory disease. There's some awful good vaccines out there and certainly help in prevention. And we use them, I suggested using them when these calves were turned out on the range, when they were processed, earmarked, branded, castrated, vaccinated, turned out on the range, and then come back in at the fall of the year and they're weaned if you're going to hold those calves over, vaccinate them again. Finally got on to pretty good programs that saved us a lot of distress and death loss in those calves, pneumonia. So that's, there's some awful good vaccines. They've put a lot of money into it to develop good vaccines for us. Did you kind of see the the evolution of the vaccines helping helping the industry? I guess, like, did you see it? Did you see and work with a lot of animals like before vaccinations were a huge thing versus now mm-hmm. to when more people use them? Yeah. And did you tell a difference in the ranches? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, and we have developed even better vaccines with more serotypes, with more antigens in a shot. I mean, you can give a shot like seven way, and it's got seven different serotypes in, and give another shot with four or five in, you don't want to overwhelm the immune system, but there was definitely a time before vaccines were, one, available, and two, used pretty much, and we went through antibiotics after antibiotics, bottles, pills, sick calves, non-responders, and as technologies developed better vaccine and our knowledge has increased on 
the types of disease processes we're dealing with. It's, it's made it a lot easier. And we got kind of a dilemma now is that the antibiotics to treat the diseases are so expensive. I mean, yeah, penicillin's still around, but it may not be that effective because of the type of organisms we're dealing with. And we've got a lot of viral organisms that do not respond to antibiotics, and consequently, the vaccination programs then plays a big part to uh, protection rather than treatment. And uh, it's just like the... This COVID, I mean, we've been dealing with the coronavirus and calves, diarrhea issues, brought on coronavirus for years. I don't know how much of that coronavirus I've had on my clothes and my hands. Elsewhere, <laughs> but uh, we've been dealing with that. It's a diuretic, creates diarrhea in calves, death losses, scours. But uh, now with new technology and combination, knowing what we're dealing with, that uh, vaccinations are very important. Vaccinations in lieu of the, and it's not so much the death loss, it's darn shrink that these calves, they get sick calves, they'll shrink 5 to 8, 10% during the course of their illness, and that's money. That's money. Yeah. You take a 400-pound calf and shrink them 10%, there's 40 pounds, and you just paid buck 80 a pound for that calf or could sell it for that. That's uh, that's about all the profit there is in one of those little guys. You talked just a little bit about how important the vitamins and minerals were for a cow. Um, uh-huh. Are there different... Are there different minerals and vitamins that are necessary for them through different times of the year? Well, not necessarily. They, in my mind, the, the vitamin and mineral deal should be constant. It should be always available. And I would tell you that the difference there would be there are certain vitamins and minerals that play different positions in the nutrition of an animal. For instance, the zinc. Zinc and copper and selenium, iodine, they're really important for immune systems. So if their cattle are deficient in that, then their immune system is low. So they can't fight off diseases and they can't um, be strong and healthy because they don't have access to the zinc. And you may be aware of in humans that these people that's got COVID virus, they're putting them on zinc, they're putting them on vitamin C, they're putting them on vitamin D, all the stuff to stimulate the immune system. We're in a selenium deficient area in southern Utah, northern Arizona. Copper, we're deficient in copper in uh, eastern Nevada. And these are the vitamin or the minerals that are really important for immune systems. Coat color, um, warding off infections. Selenium is important in reproduction um, to 
selenium deficient animals. We use a lot of selenium in the dairies and their in their ration, and uh, that's to boost the reproductive capacity. Then we got vitamin A and vitamin D, those types of things that uh, minerals, sodium and chloride, which is salt, and uh, that are homeostasis of the body. Going to have salt to keep things balanced and fluids and electrolytes. But uh, I really got a push in the and everybody's got a package. About every feed dealer, beef feed manufacturer's got their little deal that they like. And, but uh, those are the ones that I really stressed and really looked for you know, a ration to make sure they have access to them. Ideally, should they be able to find that on their own in their feed, say like a range cow? Would they be able to find well, enough of that, or would you rec- would you always no, tell people no, to make they sure can, they supplement? The, the accumulator plants that we have, they accumulate mineral out of the soil, but if the soil is deficient, then that doesn't work. Oh, and yeah. that's why selenium, we are, our soils are deficient of selenium, therefore the plant does not take up selenium into the the body of the plant, so it's not available. So we uh, feed free choice. And again, there's tubs, there's licks, uh, there's blocks, and uh, that's the source. And so if you have cattle on the range, they should have free choice supplement, meaning that there should be barrels or tubs or something out there that these cattle could come to at any point in time while they're grazing that allotment for their minerals and the body tells them what what minerals and vitamins and they start looking for it. I remember years ago out here on the West Desert people came in wondering what was the matter with their cows because they were chewing the fences up, they were chewing the poles up. In fact they were even chewing on the telephone poles of the big power line going through the place. And uh, just like horses, they just start chewing and chewing. So I took some blood samples. The ideal thing is liver samples, but blood is is great. Took blood samples, sent it into our laboratory at Utah State University. It came back. There's deficient in selenium, deficient in calcium, and deficient in phosphorus. So we went to the feed store, and we got those supplements. And within a week, 10 days, those cows quit chewing. And some of these cows will even go to these bone piles where there's another dead animal, been there for years, start chewing on those bones. It's in those bone piles because they're deficient. Their body tells them, I'm deficient, I'm trying to hunt it, I'm going to chew this, chew that, and find something to satisfy my body's needs for mineral. And oftentimes that's little tattletale signs that you find. That's interesting. I guess to kind of go along with that, are there any common mistakes that you would see ranchers make as far as nutrition or maintenance of their animals? Well, I think education and a lot of it's been supported by the uh, Utah State University, our county agents, uh, 
mineral specialists. You got access to all of this, but what it's done is to help make us aware of the changes and the needs and the economics of the livestock business. And years ago, I worked at the auction. I was the auction veterinarian here in Cedar City for 20 years. And, you know, you hear a lot of scuttle, but you see a nice package of calves come in. You <clears throat> see another bunch that's got some horns or testicles, a little bit staggy. You see some of them are poor, crippled. And uh, then the conversation at the end of the sale is, well, how come my calf can't bring as much as yours? And uh, you got a dollar and a quarter, and I only got 80 cents. And a lot of that, you can help yourself by dehorning your calves, castrating the bull calves, proper nutrition, getting the calves' hair coat looks good, maybe even some deworming. We deworm all of our cows in the winter when we preg check, in the fall when we preg check. And uh, parasite loads, just different things like that. So that's management. That's husbandry. And that can be done easily on the ranch. Preg checking, I think, is good. Nutrition is great. Breeding, selecting bulls, easy calvers. I used to do, shoot, I think in one week I did 13 cesareans. Years wow. ago, and uh, we still do them occasionally. We have that tool, I guess. But the thing that's not the cesarean deal out of the ballpark is easy calving bulls, and that's genetics. And uh, where I used to deliver one cat or ten calves, I don't hardly deliver one or two. Where I used to do. 20 cesareans a year or spring, I don't do three. And uh, it's just one of those things that, that that is the best tool that's been implemented for the producer to select easy calving bulls on EPDs. And uh, so they've got EPDs for everything and expected progeny differences in milk, weight gain, weaning weights calving weights, I don't know what else, scrotal size. I mean, it's it's all factored into that, but that is one tool that's helped the producer, the cow-calf outfit, as much as anything, I think. You combine that with your nutrition, your vaccination program, you, and uh, you'll be flying pretty high. Well, I think that I have asked all of the questions that I was meaning to ask, but if there's anything else you want to share, please feel free to. If the producers listen to this uh, uh, commentary, it's it's a great thing, and somebody's got to feed the world, and we don't get enough credit for doing that. So, wish the best yeah. for them. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge and all of that with us. I hope people listening out there will will listen and listen to your advice. Well, thank you very much, Lindsay. Appreciate the opportunity yeah. to share some ideas with you.